Good day, tea and listeners. Our discussion today focuses again on the doctrine of common purpose. Uh, you will recall a discussion a few weeks ago about the same subject and its application in law. However, today we look at a decision by the Constitutional Court in regard to the doctrine applicable to the common law crime of rape. Hello, Hector, and thank you for this week's discussion. If you, our listener, would like to hear Hector's more comprehensive explanation of the doctrine of common purpose, please scroll down to number 11 in the Legal Ease playlist. Women, of course, want to know, now more than ever, that there is some protection under law to keep rapists behind bars. I hope today's case will prove this to be true. As with the majority of our discussions, there is often a High Court ruling followed by a Supreme Court of Appeal case. Can you give us a brief outline of the initial case in question? Yes, I will briefly set out the events that followed, then discuss the case itself. On the 23rd of November 1999, all nine the accused were found guilty on eight counts of rape seven counts on the basis of doctrine of common purpose. Their defense that the doctrine could not be applicable to the common law crime of rape was rejected by the High Court. During uh, 11 May 2000, leave to appeal by some of the accused were refused. Some nine years later, on the 26th of August 2009, they petitioned the Supreme Court of Appeal and on the 11th of September 2009, their leave to appeal were dismissed. On the 28th of November 2012, one of the accused, Mr. Pertu, was granted leave to appeal by the High Court to the full court in regard to his conviction and sentence. However, this appeal was dismissed by the full court. Mr. Pertu applied for special leave to appeal to the SCA. On the 7th of November 2016, the SCA ruled in his favor as the court reasoned that the doctrine cannot apply to the common law crime of rape. The state did not cross-appeal this decision. From this, the applicants Ananias Ntuli in case 6919 and Jabalala in case 23218 approached the Constitutional Court. The neutral citation, Shabalala versus the state and Ntuli versus the state, 2019 ZACC48. I now deal with the case in Shabalala versus the state and in Thule versus the state. The applicants approached the Constitutional Court after an early High Court decision which convicted and sentenced them to life imprisonment. Their conviction arose from a violent rampage that went on one night in September 1998. Nine perpetrators attacked several homes, broke down doors and assaulted the occupants. Eight female occupants were raped. Some perpetrators participated physically, while others only participated as lookouts, but were present. All of the perpetrators were convicted of rape, hence this decision. Hector, bearing in mind what you've previously explained about the doctrine of common purpose, can you briefly explain how the court initially reasoned? In the High Court, the applicant contended that the common law crime of rape was not an offence for which an individual could be convicted through the application of the doctrine of common purpose. The court rejected that argument and convicted them, sentencing them to life imprisonment. And did any of the accused appeal the judgment? 
Yes, one of the members of the Lookout Group appealed to the Supreme Court of Appeal, which found that to convict him based on his mere presence was to subvert the principles of participation and liability as an accomplice in criminal law. The SCA ruled that it could not be proved that the said member had been present at the scene of violence where rapes, assaults, housebreaking and robberies were committed, other than at one particular household, therefore concluded that no common law purpose with the other members of the group had been established. How did the respondent, the state in this case, react to the finding of the Supreme Court of Appeal? The state in this case supported the findings of the High Court that the group responsible for the attacks had acted as a cohesive unit. It contended that applying the doctrine of common purpose was not out of the ordinary but was in keeping with modern international standards. The first amicus courier, the Commission for Gender Equality, also contended that the instrumentality approach adopted by the SCA was fundamentally flawed and wrong in law. It argued that it was both artificial and unprincipled, as there was no reason in law why the use of one's body should be detrimental to the case of rape but not in the case of assault or murder. The approach sought to carve out crimes of sexual nature to exclude the application of common law purpose to such crimes and this in turn inhibited the state's ability to prohibit and combat gender-based violence. Hector, can you help us understand what the reasoning was of the majority of the Constitutional Court's judges in regard to the application and approach to rape and common purpose? They reasoned that it was difficult to conclude that the rapes were unexpected, sudden or independent acts of one or more perpetrator, which the others neither expected nor were aware of, even after they had happened. The perpetrators had overpowered their victims by intimidation and assault, and in the manner which the applicants and the co-accused had moved from one household to the next, indicated meticulous prior planning and preparation. They made sure that any attempt to escape was impossible. From this inference, they derived at their decision. The court also examined the relationship between rape and power. To look at the elements of rape in isolation was unsustainable in a group rape, where the mere presence of a group of men resulted in power and dominance being exerted over the victims. The instrumentality argument, which was embedded in the system of patriarchy, had no place in modern society, founded on the Bill of Rights and had to be discarded. In the end, did the Constitutional Court make any separate and concurring judgment? Yes, it elaborated further, the structural and systemic nature of rape emphasized that it would be irrational for the doctrine of common purpose not to be applicable to the common law crime of rape, whilst being applicable to other crimes. And would this view of the Constitutional Court be in line with international law? Yes, the Court further reasoned that the common law crime of rape had to be developed to meet the obligations of international law which protocols placed an obligation on the state, including the court, to develop the domestic laws to ensure that women are protected from sexual violence. These international obligations and the constitutional duty provide the legal and logical basis to conform the application of the doctrine of common purpose to the common law crime of rape. What conclusion 
did the Constitutional Court reach? Accordingly, the High Court's application of the doctrine cannot be faulted. The applicant's appeal must therefore fail. And just to summarise for us, what was the order granted by the court? The leave to appeal in CCT 323-18 and CCT 6919, the application for late filing is granted, the leave to appeal is granted, the appeals by Jabulani, Alfis, Chabalala and Ananais Ntuli are dismissed, no order to costs. Just to simplify, the application for late filing refers to an application which was filed late by the applicant at the registrar of the court. Should this lateness be condoned by the court, the permission would then be granted for the application to be heard. The appeals were dismissed by the Constitutional Court because it found that the High Court's decision was correct, in that all the accused acted in a cohesive unit and that there was meticulous prior planning as well as preparation. The use of the doctrine is in line with international standards. In its way, it is applied in law. As to no-cost order means that either applicants and the respondent pay for their own legal team. Until next time, listeners, keep well and have a good day.